Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch. And for the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about church history and some key players that played a prominent role in the life of the church. And with me this morning, I have the master historian, (laughs) Dennis Smith. Uh, Dennis, I want to ask you a leading question to get us started. Uh, usually when I talk history with people, uh, they could care less, you know, who, who cares about church history? Why does it, why does it matter? You know, for most people, history can be a boring subject, uh, like mathematics is for me. Um, uh, it's usually out of date. Who cares about times, places, events, so on and so forth. So why is, why is learning about, uh, history or church history important to you? Uh, Yes, Jeremy, thanks for that question, and I would say in my own experience growing up, I probably had a similar view of history as far as a subject in school, but in my experience as I've gotten older as a Christian, I've found it hard to find men to whom I could look to as mentors. Uh, That does not mean that I have not known many great examples of men that follow Jesus, but but rather looking for specific character qualities and spiritual lessons learned to which I could seek advice that would point my own life in, in a good direction. These types of examples, in many cases, have been largely missing. A good friend once said to me when we were discussing this subject, you know, you can be mentored by men through their books, Church history is a way to be mentored by men that may have been dead for a very long time, but they live through their writings. So, Jeremy, that's a very important reason to study church history, is to be mentored by men to whom I can look up to to guide my life as a Christian today. So, based off of what you just said, who is who's someone in, in church history that's uh, left an impact on on your life. Well, there's there's a lot of men, of course, that I could have chosen. I'm choosing someone today uh, who is probably not known by a lot of uh, evangelical people, especially if they do not know about uh, English church history. But the man that I've chosen today, his name was Charles Simeon, and he was an Englishman born in 1759, and this was during the midst of what's called the evangelical, or I'm, I'm sorry, I should say, he lived during the and ministered during the midst of what was called the English Evangelical Awakening, and then he died in 1836. He was born into a well-to-do home. His father was a lawyer. There's not much information about his mother at all, which probably means she'd she died when he was very young. And as far as can be discerned from his autobiography, he was actually raised in a home where Christianity wasn't practiced. And he went to boarding school, as was typical for young men from uh, well-to-do homes in his day. And in that 12 years at boarding school, he was, he was exposed to much worldliness. And he himself was known as a fancy-dressing show-off. <laughs> 
But he got to be a, a later teen and ready to go off to college. And so at 19, he went off to Cambridge University. And uh, there he was surprised because he was forced to take communion, something he wasn't used to doing. And for some reason, it bothered him a great deal. He was actually distraught mm -hmm. about what it meant to actually take communion. And in the process of trying to rid himself of those bad feelings and studying what the communion service was about, he actually was converted to Christ in the midst of the <laughs> communion service on Easter Sunday of oh. 1779, and he was dramatically changed. That's awesome. That's really cool. So why, why, has, uh, why has Charles Simeon left such an impact on your life? Well, first of all, the information that I have today is actually from a biographical sermon that I listened to from John Piper, who, who actually highlighted Charles Simeon a number of years ago in one of his pastor's conferences. That's a really good uh, series, by the way. Uh, absolutely. In there. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree, and I would highly recommend that yeah. to anyone who would like to get started in church history and kind of church history light. It's yeah. an easy way to get yeah. into it. Um, but when I listened to the biography of Charles Simeon, I was um, impressed by his life lessons because in many respects, I myself have struggled with some of the things that he did, and his way of growing through those impressed me a lot. So one of the points that Piper tried to make with Charles Simeon was to describe how in our modern uh, American culture, particularly evangelical culture, our fragile attitudes toward difficulties in life lead us easily into discouragement, and then the over-focus we have on self-esteem today has created emotionally fragile people that break easily, and I find that I can relate to these problems. Mm. Quoting from John Piper, he said, one thing that is really important he, that is Charles Simeon, was not one that overcame his negative characteristics, characteristics easily. He struggled greatly with his personality sins, yet he struggled with them. He did not give in to them or make excuses for himself, as is so common today. So what are, what are some things, he's obviously left an, an impact on your life, but what are some things that you've learned through uh, not only his strengths, but his weaknesses as well? Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to start out with a strength or two, and then I'll go into the weaknesses. Um, one of his strengths was that he was a finisher. And what I meant by this is in spite of difficult odds that I'll talk about in just a minute, he was the vicar, which means he was the pastor of Trinity Church, Cambridge University for 54 years. Imagine that stick to -itiveness. Um, his great commitment to being biblical, even if the Bible did not line up with his personal theological positions, in other words, he allowed the Bible to overrule his own positions is what I meant there, and it gave him an important balance. He was able to hold to a theological domain, and yet he was able to understand others that might disagree with him on certain passages of Scripture, and so he kept a gospel-centered focus in how he uh, dealt with people who disagreed with him, even though he himself had very strong 
uh, positions that he held to from his understanding of Scripture. Mm. Um, I, I think that's a really good point that I'll come back to again in a few uh, moments. Now some of the trials that led him to these strengths. Um, he had a lot of personality defects. He was his own worst enemy, and I can certainly relate to that. A strength that he had was his ability to endure criticism and rejection. I mentioned 54 years in the pastorate. He was chosen by the bishop of the Anglican uh, church in that area to be the pastor of the church that he pastored for 54 years, but the congregation actually didn't want him. They had wanted someone else. So they made his life miserable for quite a few years. For a period of 12 years, they prevented him from even giving the sermon at the evening service wow. and actually allowed someone else, even though he was the assigned pastor. <laughs> his first 10 years, during the morning worship service, the congregation, at some of the congregation, actually the majority of them, interfered with the seating in the chapel so that they could uh, interfere with his preaching of his sermon. Wow. Also, he was ostracized in the university where he taught in Cambridge. It, was not, uh, it wasn't an evangelical or even biblically oriented university at that time period. He was an avowed evangelical and a biblical theologian, and his school did not respect either position, and therefore they belittled Simeon and his converts greatly. Yet in the midst of these difficulties, he continued to be in that church for 54 years. Mm. Now that's a finisher. Mm. Another important uh, comment on one of his strengths, which comes from Piper directly, and I'm just going to quote some of what Piper said in his sermon, and I think it's really important for us today, and it's actually on Simeon's ability to understand the importance of repentance in his life. Um, he comments that by constantly meditating on the goodness of God and our great deliverance from the punishment which our sins actually deserve, we are brought to feel our own vileness and other, other, utter unworthiness, which we continue in this spirit of self-degradation. Everything else will go easily. Notice that, Jeremy, that if we actually see ourselves the way God does in our own sinfulness, the kind of people we really are inside, that actually will lead us into understanding uh, more about God that will be a benefit to us in the long run. How, old, how contrary that is to our self-esteem culture that we live in today. He said that... If we do get ourselves humble before God by seeing our sins as they really are, we will ultimately find ourselves advancing in our course. We will feel that the presence of God and is the experience of his love is, is with us. Um, many times Simeon said, you may often feel that your prayers scarcely reach the ceiling, but oh, get into a humble spirit by considering how good the Lord is and how evil you are. And then prayer will mount up with wings to heaven. Hmm. 
The sigh, the groan of a broken heart will soon go through the ceiling up to heaven, A, into the very bosom of God. Now, so he really understood his own position before God as one of vileness and sinfulness. And that is a uh, missing component in a lot of our theology today. So this helps me to connect with where I should see myself before God as well. That's the starting point. So I learned from Simeon the necessity of understanding that a humble and contrite position before God concerning who I am in myself is actually necessary to a good understanding of the love of God to me in Christ, which leads me to a proper enjoyment of the Christian life. As I mentioned before, this is entirely contrary to much of our evangelical culture today and our self-esteem cult that says, unless I make much of myself and of my own value, I cannot live a joyful life. Simeon is entirely opposite this example, and I believe his example is closer to the biblical position than a lot of what I hear today. A second thing that really um, helped me with uh, from Simeon is that Simeon, who had many great trials and afflictions, believed that it was a principle of life to grieve in private over his personal sufferings, yet be cheerful in public. Mm. And this was grounded in his practice to take his personal suffering to Christ alone in prayer and accept from Christ the sufferings that he was uh, enduring as a part of the good and chastening of God. And therefore, in public, to honor Christ, he was cheerful amid afflictions. This is entirely different from our culture today that just says, let it all hang out. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you're really experiencing, shout it from the housetop so everybody can hear. I believe Simeon is a better model on the response of suffering in the Christian life and helps me to be cheerful amid afflictions. I mentioned earlier he was a man who was uh, very convinced of his understanding of Scripture, but he was also equally convinced that uh, arrogance and censoriousness in public debate were not good values. And I think that that's another good example. Um, Hold to what we believe, but with a humility in how we relate to others who disagree. And this is very important in a time when there is such a spirit of nastiness and argumentativeness. So, Jeremy, I'd really like to sum up this section on uh, Simeon and his view of suffering with a verse of Scripture. 1 Peter 1.8 tells us that though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And I think Simeon would agree with the comments that another dead man said on the very words of Scripture I just read. And this is what he said, Though their outward sufferings were very grievous, yet their inward spiritual joys were greater than their sufferings, and these supported them and enabled them to suffer with cheerfulness. It was Simeon's view of his humbleness before Christ, and yet the greatness of God's grace to him in Christ that allowed him to be a cheerful man, even though he had much suffering and affliction in his life. 
Yeah, that's a that's an amazing, amazing life there. Fifty four years in the pulpit in uh, a congregation who doesn't want you there <laughs> and experiencing suffering and, and trials, but yet being joyful in Christ. That is, that's such a great picture of what uh, we should strive for, especially in a society that we live in today. So what's, uh, what's one book that you would recommend, Dennis, uh, on the life of Charles Simeon? Well, I don't know of a book, but I, I do know of the sermon that I'm actually using as a backdrop for this talk. And so if you go to the Desiring God website and look up under the biographical sermons that uh, Pastor John Piper has done, find the one on Charles Simeon and listen to that. Or you can actually get a text copy of that, too. Um, now, Simeon himself produced a resource of sermons called the Horae Homiletica, and you could read his sermons from the source of them, and I have read some excerpts of that, and those are real good ways of finding out about who he was and what he believed as well. Okay. okay. Yeah, that uh, biography series by Piper is such a wonderful resource to look into lives of, of people throughout church history who... Uh, failed and who succeeded and were faithful in their calling. Um, so if you don't want to listen to that series, you can actually buy a book that uh, Desiring God put together, or Crossway put together, uh, and it's just his biographical series put into book form, and it's called The 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy, Faithful, Flawed, and Fruitful. Um, you can pick that book up on on Amazon or any online resources. Uh, but it is a great resource in which you can learn about the lives of of men uh, throughout church history who played a prominent role uh, in the life of the church. Uh, we're looking forward to next week as we continue this uh, four-week series on historical profiles. And uh, we look forward to having you with us again and look forward to being with you on Sunday. Uh, we love you, Sun Valley Church, and we will see you next week on The Voice of the Valley.